and she was like, listen, all you gotta do is be you. And I'm like, what does that mean? She's like, you don't know your impact of being in a room. And I'm like, what? She's like, I've learned so much from you just by watching you. And all you did was navigate the world according to how you do it. I was like, she's like, you sit in a room and you speak your voice when you need to. I took note of that. You show up in a room and you wear whatever you want to wear. I took note of that. She's like, you don't actively have to do something for somebody in order to make an impact. And I was like, yo, that was deep. <laughs> Dímelo mi gente, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Quien Tu Eres podcast brought to you by Plural. You already know it's your boy Pavel Martinez bring you another special episode with another very special guest. Now, the clip you just heard in the intro is with this week's guest, Alma Angeles. And I love that clip in particular because it highlights why I started the podcast. I started the Quien Duet's podcast because I wanted to create, illustrate, and scale the representation that I wish I had earlier in my career. We don't have to lead these huge projects in order to drive change. Simply by being ourselves, we can inspire someone else. We can give someone else the permission that they've needed and they've been looking for this whole time to be themselves. That's why these conversations are so important. Anyway, enough about why I started the podcast. Let me give you a little bit more information about Alma so that you know her a little bit more before we get into the full conversation. Alma's passion for sports can be traced back to her schoolyard days. She's been deep in sports from the start and now she's made a career of it. As a marketer with over 15 years of experience in areas of sports, entertainment, and culture, she's mastered the ins and outs of commercial revenue growth. She's honed and executed these specialties to reach her current role as the Vice President of Partnerships for the NBA's Charlotte Hornets. To date, she's one of the more, if not the most prominent Latina women in the NBA's business side, currently the only one to hold such a title league-wide. Now, to read Alma's full bio, please check out the show notes. I feel like we know her a little bit better now, right? Okay, let's just get into the episode. I'm excited to chat with you because, um, I mean, we were chatting before, but I feel like a lot of what we talk about really resonates with you and some of the experiences that you've had throughout your career. So, so yeah, let's get into it. I mean, when you think about the word authenticity, when people tell you to be your most authentic self, what comes to mind for you? Yeah, it, it's a loaded question, right? Because it's like, it's so heavy, but it's so simple. It's really just being who you are at the core of what you believe to be. Unfiltered, naked soul almost to an extent. There's this, this feeling of centeredness and knowing oneself and then being proud of it and be like, world, here I am. <laughs> and so... It's, it sounds, again, very, very simple because it's about knowing exactly who you are, what makes you tick, what makes you smile, what, what, what triggers you, and then just being out in the world and navigating with those things right in front of you at all times. Yeah, that's deep. Tell me about growing <laughs> Went up. <in> there. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about growing up, though. Like, were you always proud of the person that you were? Um, no. Um, and, but, but I caught on very young. So just to give you a little background, my parents, both of them are immigrants. They're from Guanajuato, Mexico. Um, they come from a rural town, like agriculture, 
um, dirt roads. My mom went to school up to third grade. Um, my dad, I don't believe he, or he went a little bit further, I think maybe sixth grade. Um, my grandpa came over as a bracero um, in California. That's a big term, um, pretty much agricultural worker for temporary times when the United States couldn't sustain itself. So what they did was this big um, effort to go to Mexico and really contract workers on seasonal times and bring them over. So my grandpa didn't know how to write and he knew he had to get that opportunity. So he learned how to write his name to sign the paperwork, to get vaccinated, to be able to come as a bracero. So like, it's wow. crazy. Right? So I really come back from very humble background and, that, and that's cool. But with that being said, and I'm, and I'm born in the United States, I'm born in, in California. Um, my first language is Spanish because that's all I know. And my food is very traditional to whatever my mom knew how to make. Mm. So I remember when I was a kid, I had a lunchbox and it was Snoopy. And this is me now in school. And um, that was my first Americanized thing. My, my lunch pail box back in the day with like, you know, the plastic ones with the, the uh, cover. Um, and I opened up my therm, my, um, my, what is it called? The thermostat or the, yeah, no, the thermal, the right? Yeah. The thermal. Yeah. Um, and my mom put arroz in there and I was like, let's go. Cause I love <laughs> arroz. And so I'm sitting there and it's those old school lunch tables, like where you sit in front of other people and they're all to the side of you as a kid, just the lunch table. I, um, because of the agricultural background, I was fortunate enough that my grandpa ended up staying within this little small town called Carpinteria. Um, it's a very affluent town. Um, let's just be honest, it's either uh, American Caucasian or Hispanic, for the most part, Mexican. Um, and so some of the, the white kids around me, they'd be like, ew, what's that? It smells, ew, blah. and I would look. And in my head, I'm like, I don't know why you're judging. You have a piece of, you have two bread <laughs> and some kind of spread on there, peanut butter and jelly sandwich, right? <laughs> and so I'm like, Okay, but the judgment really got me because I'm different. Yeah. And I'm looking at all these kids with their like little juice boxes and like their treats and like the 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 um the snacks, the fruit snacks. Mm -hmm. And I have jugo de naranja, arroz, and then I have a little other plastic thing with some other food. I don't know, probably it can't be scrambled eggs because that would be bad I don't know my mom made me some papas or something right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so I'm over here like digging my plate because it's going to be flavorful it's going to be great but then I'm getting judged mm -hmm. and so for the longest time I remember um my lunchbox I would post it up you there was able you could jimmy ring it so it would stay up because that way I could eat my food and no one would see me eat it because it was blocking me wow and it was weird and so um, I think finally one day I kind of broke down when I got home and I was crying and my mom was making me my food for the next day. And I was like, I don't want that. Like being a brat, right? I was like, no. And so she was like, what happened? And it took a while for me to like open up and tell her why. And she, she finally told me that, or I finally opened up and I told her. And uh, yeah, it was like a dagger to her heart. Like you just saw her. I think it was first, this food is really good. Second, my daughter's getting judged because the food I'm giving her 
and she's crying. And it, it, it almost hit her harder than it hit me. And then when I saw that, then I reacted. And so my mom was really nurturing. She was like, Mika, no, what do you want? Like, you know, the immigrant parent. You, yeah. you want a sandwich? I'll figure it out. We'll get you a sandwich. Da, 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 da. Like, so I could assimilate mm. at that point. My pops was different. My dad was like, why are you crying? And I'm like, eh, because I want a sandwich. And he was like, that doesn't taste good. And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> like very much like, why do you want that? And I'm like, because everybody has it. And he's like, no, you're my daughter. And I'm not going to give you food. That's not good. <laughs> and it was very simple like that. And so it was this balance of my mom understanding that there's a bigger world around me and telling me like, hey, I get you. I get, this is uncomfortable. But then my dad being, you are who you are and this is what we're giving you. And whether you like it or not, you're going to have to figure it out in that world because that's just the way it is. I'm so curious, like which side did, did you gravitate towards? Oh, definitely more my dad's side. I was scared. No, that man was a, <laughs> was a beast. <laughs> So you were more scared of your dad and what he would say, what he would do versus the fear of getting bullied or whatever happened at school. Yep. Yep. Cause I knew my dad was a force to be reckoned with. And mind you, he was never, he never hit me or anything like that, but he had some choice words for me. And if I don't like it, it was just like too bad. And I'm like, at school I can, I'm very chatty and I'm very personal. I love people. So I was like, okay, they'll make fun of me for a little bit, but lunch is going to be over back mm -hmm. to me managing. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I'll, I'll win them over somehow other ways. And so I kind of figured out how to play, how to manipulate my world at school where at home I couldn't, there was no change in my dad's mind. Like it was what it was. I'm like, I'm not going to win here. I can win here. I'm going to eat my food. <laughs> <laughs> That must be so that must be a reoccurring theme though, right? Like I'm sure that that point in your life where you look around and, and there's no one that looks like you, that's not the only time that happened to you. And it's probably not the only time where you felt like you were at a crossroad where you had to either be a little bit like your mom, and rightfully so, like a lot of people go that route out of fear, which is fair, right? Or you go through with your dad's route, which is like, no, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna keep being me. Like, have you had other instances like that as you grew older? Oh, a hundred percent. There's always times. And, and let's be honest, there's, there's almost this chameleon thing where I am leaning stronger towards that, that backbone my dad gave me and my identity of holding on to it. But instead of holding on to it a hundred percent, I do drop to like 80 mm -hmm. because then I need to know I have to be, um, I have to find an entryway into the masses and so I won't let go of who I am completely. Like, I don't think I'll ever drop beyond an 80% of who I am, but I do drop because not everybody understands my background, not everybody. And, and that goes beyond just, um, just being Latino, right? Because even with Latinos, I think that's the biggest part too. There's a, a whole mess of us yeah. and so different. Mm -hmm. And even then, um, a funny story, I, Chicano studies, I went to Cal State Northridge in, in Los Angeles. It's a, it's a, a, a state college. And I had Chicano studies. Um, so La Raza, Mexican, yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. I walk in and we're talking about the holidays and there's a guy next to me. And I'm like, for some reason, 
uh, back to the chatty thing, we were talking about um, the festivities and I look at him, I was like, yeah, tamales, ha ha ha. And he goes, I'm Mexican. <laughs> and I was like, this is Chicano studies and you look like me. Mind you, remember I came from either white or Mexican background, right? From my, my, uh, my hometown. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you look like me and you're in this class and this is about Chicano studies but you're, you don't relate. Um, he was Salvadorian. Mm. And that was my first time of understanding. So I was like, oh, but you came in hard on him and you don't even know who he is. Like, <laughs> slow down. So like at that level, it was almost like checking myself too. And, and then it went into the corporate world. And then that was a whole other world, right? Yeah. And you have to do it too. So there's like different layers of understanding of what, knowing your space and being aware of your surroundings. Um, and then- being really strategic on how you maneuver within that space. Yeah, I think corporate is so interesting. And it's, I think it's, it's fascinating too, that mental exercise that almost happens subconsciously. Like I, I often describe it as you walk into a room and in a split second, our brains scan the room, think about what do I show? What do I hide? If I show this, what are they going to say? How am I going to respond? And there's like, I mean, maybe this is just my head, but there's like thousands of questions that are running through my head. And in that split second, I just decide what I'm going to show and what I'm not going to show. Does that happen to you too? So it's interesting how I manage this. Um, What you see right now is very much how I show up. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes when I'm sassy, I'll get a red lip too. So so (laughs) awesome. But these hoops, you'll ask around and it's very much me. Like this is what you see. So that part to me, when I'm going to enter a room already for work, for meetings, for whatever, I already purposely know I'm coming in the way mm-hmm. Alma feels like she's going to be good. Mm-hmm. So that piece, I know that I'm already explaining and communicating who I am from the very beginning. But to your point, once I get into the room, it is a scan. And I'm like, okay, I'm already coming in hot just by looks. So let me maybe sit back and, and see how people, um, what's gonna be my entryway to the rest of the world? Like, am I gonna come in like, yo, what up, good morning? <laughs> or am I, good morning, how are you? Pleasure to meet you. I'm, I'm so glad you're here. Like, and then little by little start giving them who I am. That's so, so fascinating that you said you're coming in hot though, because, you know, just me looking at you, I'm like, I mean, there's nothing, I mean, just, you're just, you're wearing glasses, your hair is pulled back, you're wearing black, you're, you're wearing hoops. Like, I'm just wondering, like, if, is that something that has been said to you before that makes you feel like you're coming in hot? Um, surprisingly not to me, Okay. to others. Yes. So, mm-hmm. so um, others that have dressed the way that you're dressing right now, they have been described as that. I've been witness to it. Got it. Um, I've had comments like, oh, did you see that? Mm, that's interesting. Mm. Like if I'm going to co-sign on things. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, there's nothing wrong to it. Like, I don't, I don't see anything wrong. Um, so yeah, you, you are around that. And you're just like, oh, back to the observing of the room. So like to you, it doesn't look like anything. To somebody, these are loud glasses because they're, they're big frames. And then they have a sequence. And then I have big giant hoops. I and then the maybe hoops, I look- And the glasses, yeah. <laughs> hey, I coordinated. <laughs> <laughs> or like simple things. It's like my, my hair slipped back in a bun. Like 
it's very, and it's almost like the combination of the pieces together. Mm. And um, I, I always get my nails done. Like it's, I'm all, this is my, my, my piece of making myself look fat. I call it fabulosity. So I'm <laughs> like, wh- what am I going to feel good? Where am I going to get my sass from sometimes? My nails are always done and I switch it up. And sometimes it's bright pink and sometimes it's yellow and sometimes it's whatever. And so it's that whole package that seems like it's coming in hot. Like this is what, this is where I feel comfortable. This is what I'm going to do. Then seeing people's reaction to when I walk into the room and then I have to, this is where corporate landscape starts changing a little bit because like I mentioned, I could, I will eventually get to my level of comfort of communication but mm-hmm. at the same time I very I am very aware of my tone I turn mm-hmm. into hi good afternoon how are you this is great you know and then in this tone I'll start bringing them into my world like uh some comment uh, I don't know like yes that that's a that's a great idea I think it's fresh. It's trendy. It's swaggy. I like it. It's going to give me vibes. Right. And boom, there I go. I'm starting to make, I'm, I'm introducing how I really want to talk because now, but it's still within the tone of comfort. So it's weird. It's a weird thing, but eventually you will get all of me. No, I don't, I don't think it's weird at all. I mean, people often ask me like, how do you become more authentic or how do you feel more authentic at work? And, And I tell people like, you don't have to just show up one day as a completely different person, you know what I mean? hundred percent authentic. I think it comes in, in small steps because you start testing like what you feel more comfortable in, right? For you, like, I remember I had a friend that I, she, she would never, she would cut her nails, but she would often like not color them a bright color. Cause she was like, Ooh, that's not like good enough for work. Like she would pick a very neutral color. Yep. Um, and one day she was like, you know what? I'm just going to start with a finger. The next day she started, you know, the next month, maybe she did like, you know, a couple fingers. And then next thing you know, she got her, her whole hand in like a bright color, you know, both hands. Right. And it's that like small, gradual step to see like how comfortable you are with that. And also you really get to observe like what's the reaction of people, because that tells you what's their perception of you. Right. Yes. And then you can react to that and build off of that. Right. And then you get to practice. Like if someone says, I don't know, someone comments on your nail color, you can, and it's not the whole thing. You'd be like, you know, you can, you can practice what that reaction, that conversation is going to be like as well. Yeah. I think authenticity is about, it's a very personal thing and it's where you're comfortable. Yeah. It's very much a personal thing. So like to what you mentioned is, is what, how do you enter a room and make sure that you're okay? Mm-hmm. Because I will tell you, I am most comfortable. I am most comfortable with authenticity when I am uncomfortable, Ooh, if I go yeah. into, yeah, <laughs> if I go into space that I'm going to be scared and I'm like, um, recent situation, recent, kind of recent, I went into, um, a room, a meeting, and, uh, it was all these people with like Ivy league school backgrounds and corporate and their pops did this and that and whatnot. And here I come. And um, not to knock my background, because let me tell you, man, I busted my behind. I'm very proud of what I've accomplished. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it's one thing when they're like, yeah, I went to Cornell and I went here and I'm like, Cal State Northridge, what's up, Matadors? (laughs) Um, But I knew that I was already kind of a little shook. And so 
I go into being super authentic because I know who I am. That's my comfort level. If there's one topic I know inside and out, it's who Alma is. And at that point, I retreat to my comfort, which is me. And I'm like, all right, Alma, here we go. You might not know how to speak the language. You might have in, you might bump into certain situations and conversations that you might not know, but guess what? You know you, and this is where you're going to hold on. And no one else knows it besides you. It's taken some time to get there. So when I'm uncomfortable, I become more me. Yeah. No, that, that's beautiful. I never thought about it like that. Um, I'm curious too, like when you started, because this is how you show up now, right? But at some point you didn't. I'm wondering, do you remember one of those like first instances where you started, you know, testing certain things and you were like, you know what, today I'm going to replace my studs for my hoops. Today I'm going to wear the glasses that I want. Today I'm going to paint my nails, however it is, you know, but whatever it was for you, do you remember what some of the, those emotions were like going into it? You know, some of those stories you probably made up in your head, like, oh my God, they're probably going to say this, this and that. Like, I don't know. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Hoop earrings. Really, honestly, that was the that was the one. Um, they're too big for corporate America. Oh my goodness, are are they going to say something? Um, let's let's really now take it a whole another level and and stereotypes within your head and biases between like in your head back to like almost like the nail polish. Maybe it's too like if I do a red, what are they going to think? Is it am, am I a street girl? Yeah, um, that's what I thought with the hoops. I was like, they're going to think this is too much, and I'm like running amok on the streets thinking I'm a floozy, like, what are they going to think? And so um, it went very neutral. I remember I had my hair straight because then I could cover them if I wanted mm -hmm. to, but if I wanted to, I could flip them back. And then the earrings came out and um, no one said a thing. No mm -hmm. one said one thing. And I was like, oh, it's in your head. Um, now I did get looks once I went in with the lip too. That was my next level of red lipstick, because I love my red lipstick, and the hoops. Now the combination, this is what I'm talking about, like the combination of things, when you start adding to it, layers, that did get looks. And they're like, oh, where are you going after work? Yeah, yeah you got a day after this or something? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? Like, it's very interesting how people say comments to, to kind of, they're curious and they want to know more, but the way they position it, it's like, why couldn't it just be like, that's a cool color. I like it too. Or like something else. Oh, where are you going? Oh, look at you. Don't you look fancy? Mm -hmm. I'm like, what does that mean? Like, why? Like, it's, it's really interesting how they position it. Yeah. Um, there, there are so many social norms and I wish I studied, I wish I studied sociology because I'm obsessed with these social norms that just as, as a society, we've just accepted for whatever reason, as if what you wear on the weekends or potentially in another occasion isn't appropriate for work. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. Why? Does it take away from my ability to present? Like, are they going to take you less seriously because you're wearing a certain lipstick color, for example? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I, and unfortunately, and there's a reason why people retreat because obviously yeah. there's a bit of result of it. Yeah. Um, and I think now society has changed there's still more to be done but it's very more accepting of a different way of of um outlook appearance mm -hmm. um but there is a stigma associated to it because at one point there was repercussions to somebody that's going to be an outlier yeah and it just and it sucks it really does and i think it just takes um 
somebody like me, I work in the sports industry, so I have the liberty to be a little bit more flexible. Mm -hmm. So I not only do it because I'm comfortable in it, but I also do it because I know I can. Mm -hmm. And uh, and somebody has to do it. I'm sure that comes with the more experience you get, you know what I mean? Like the higher up you go in a certain, well, in, in your career, like I would imagine, well, I don't know, is it a little easier or is there more pressure to not stand out because you're in a leadership position? I think there's um, a bigger judgment on you. Yeah. More eyeballs on you. Right. Um, I think it, it depends on what it is. When you're young, you don't want to miss a step because you're, you're going up that corporate ladder, right? Mm-hmm. And opportunities are sometimes not, available and you're like I'm not going to lose this I'm not going to miss a step for that promotion for visibility for being invited to a meeting you know you're always curious now me on this side um what room am I going to be in what conversation am I going to skip out on or someone's not going to want to approach me and have that because of of maybe am I too much am I am I dressed a certain way am I off-putting um so it's really interesting on how you have to navigate that And then that's when you become a superpower um, because you start thinking, what else can I bring to the table to go ahead and make myself approachable? I love to smile. I'm a very happy person until I'm not, trust me. (laughs) (laughs) But I've realized that where in a certain space I stand out and people might be like, oh, oh, okay. Literally like, okay, they don't know what to do with it. But you throw a smile on, and you become approachable, and then you are like, hi, how are you? Good afternoon. And then boom, things might change. Um, so it's 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 a constant flex of some kind of muscle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, I mean, yeah, it's been, because I've had, you know, anything from individual contributors all the way to, you know, the VPs and executives, et cetera. And, you know, the VPs and executives always ask them that question around, like, you know, do you feel more pressure? And it's been a mixed reaction, but I think I would feel even more pressure to assimilate. And I would feel more pressure to code switch and not be myself because like when you're an individual contributor, yeah, I mean, they're gonna say the BS around like, yeah, you're representing the company and sure that's true, but you really represent the company when you get to a, when you get to a certain level because you're meeting the executives at other companies, right? And you are what they think about when they think about X company, right? So, um, I mean, I'm in a leadership position, but it's different than you know, than, than where you are and some other people in their career as well. So I've, I've, I've always been curious about that. It's, it's almost one of those things, right? Um, let's just be honest. See, people judge you for an outwardly, outwardly outward appearance. <laughs> English is my second language. Hey. Um, <laughs> and th- just like this, this happens in so many meetings for me. And so I just lean into it, mm-hmm. but then the follow-up words and my expertise of what I have, I will tell you, I'm good at my job and I will tell you what it is. So, and then I win you over that way. If I can, if I'm going to show up in some, in some J's to a meeting because I can now because of my job. And actually I've been able to wear sneakers. I'm in the sports industry, but you know, I don't want to wear heels. I I don't, they're uncomfortable. I'm not doing it unless I'm going out somewhere at dinner where I'm going to look hot, then let's do it. I don't want to wear them. And I will not. That's for the red lipstick days? That's every day. (laughs) 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 So I I got you, right? I'm a little bit different, but let's let's talk about business. 
let's talk about strategy. Let's let me have this open and chatting up and then boom, I got you. And then I win you over. So it's, it's what comes out. Um, that's going to be your dagger. Yeah. That's going to be like your attack mode. Like, okay, you cool. You, you, I got you, but this is what it is. But just because I look like this doesn't mean I'm a dummy from the streets. Exactly. And that doesn't mean I just only know hip hop or R&B or, you know, Chente or Ramon Ayala or like whatever it is that you think I am, a flor colorico dancing that just, you know, eats chips and salsa and freaking downs yeah. margaritas. I could go down that path easily. Yeah. I can strategically figure out the best return of investment for your brand for that price point that you have to put your brand in a spotlight next to my brand of sports and make your thing fly like there's no other. And you're just about to make, you know, impressions galore left and right because of our ideas. Yeah. So it's, it's really, you need to know your craft, no matter who you are, no matter what it is, whatever you speak on in the professional sense, once you know your craft and you feel good about it and you're educated and you can do it, I think that's what gives you a little bit more leeway um, and acceptance. Don't get me wrong though. People still look at you funky at the first, the first time, but you got them. Yeah, no, I love that. And that's, that's what I'm trying to get through as well. Like I always say, when you look at the, the definition of professionalism, it's literally just the competence or skill to do a job it has nothing to do with anything else. So anytime someone says like something is unprofessional and they're not talking about the competence or the skill of a person, they're talking, they have bias in their evaluation of a person. Oh. And everybody has bias. Yeah, I have bias. I have bias. I say I say it all the time. Like whenever I go, because I love coffee, and every time I go to a cafe and they don't look like a hipster from Brooklyn, I'm like, damn, is that gonna be good coffee? You're that person. <laughs> no, you're not. Ah. <laughs> but we all have some sort of bias that, like, you know, it's not that I'm not gonna get the coffee. I'm gonna give them a chance. You know what I mean? It's about making that decision. But we all have something. Everybody does. Everybody does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm curious too, because you're the, correct me if I'm wrong, keep me honest, but I think you're the highest ranking Latina on the corporate side in the NBA. For the, uh, right now from our research and, you know, um, um, kudos to my team, which has been amazing with the Hornets, um, uh, within the corporate landscape of um, sponsorship and, and revenue driver. Got I, it. I believe so. What is crazy? What does that feel like? I don't know. <laughs> um, You're like, I haven't had time to process it. I don't know. It first cool, like for real, like that's that's it. Um, and intimidating a little bit if you if you get your if you wrap your mind around it if you if you really sit down and you're like, Oy. why why is it intimidating? Um, uncharted territory, a lot of eyeballs on me. Um, yeah back to I know who I am and I'm comfortable with who I am and I know how to manage this world around me and my my close-knit family mm -hmm. um I get intimidated when I have to represent something beyond uh my inner circle yeah and that gets really scary because that's a big responsibility and um my reality and my background and my experiences are not relatable to everybody. And so when they, people start looking at you on the macro scale and everybody sees you, 
and they want to hold on to a little piece of who you are and you're like man what if what if this isn't right for you i may i might not be right for you like don't follow this you're this is not going to work for you maybe like damn it and then they god forbid that something happens like because they followed alma's advice of living life the best way she knew and then it blows up and i'm like oh man i'm i you're your fault for following me like <laughs> <laughs> nah i get that though because i mean yeah like i remember when i was i mean even my job now right like there's not that many latinos in my position so in the back of my head i tell myself like no one it's not like when i got the offer they were like yo you're representing every latino and black person in america in tech you know what i mean and we're not going to hire anyone else that looks like you if you don't do a good job you know what i mean but <laughs> it was like i'm the one that is telling myself that story but there is, there's a lot of pressure. Cause I'm like, if I don't, if I don't show up a certain way, if I don't deliver what I want to deliver, then like, are they going to recruit somebody else that looks like me? It, it, justified or not justified, those thoughts go through our heads. Yeah. Um, the other piece also that comes along is now what do I do to, to extend the opportunity to others? Mm. Can I do it? Can I do that and still be successful at my job? Cause now I have two jobs. Yeah. Um, that double tax, some people call it. Yeah. And it's, it's, that's daunting too. I got here by complete work ethic. I love my job. I will throw myself at my job. I might even do it. I'm not going to do it. I might even do it free of pay. Again, <laughs> I'm not doing it. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, so now I have to take on this new role of, it sounds silly, almost like HR, like yeah. <laughs> self-imposed, mind you. This is me in my head. Yeah. Um, because I do want to open doors for people. I do want to make sure there's more people, and not just like me, like anything. Sure. Diversity across the board. Yeah. Somebody in a wheelchair. Yeah. Somebody that you know might not have the same twang as I do yeah. in my in my language in my voice, like. I want to make sure everybody comes in and, and that's a tidal wave of, of just responsibility. Yeah. Um, and no one tells you how to manage that. Mm -hmm. So it's like, how do I find that balance and where do I not feel like I'm a failure because I'm not, I'm not able to hire half the world. <laughs> um, it's hard. It's, it's very hard. Um, yeah. And it's, and it's not only like, how do you bring these people in, but when they do come in, at least this is, this is something that I'm very conscious of as well is like, what's the image that they see of me when they do come in the door? Because I work with other people of color, other Latinos, et cetera. And I see them as faking it. And when I see them, I'm like, damn, I hope when someone else comes in the door, they look at me versus them. And I hope that I give them the confidence to be themselves. Yeah. Instead of looking around and thinking, damn, well, like only Pavel is being himself, but the majority of people aren't like, I should, I should assimilate. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's that's like, like, why is he that way and not everybody else? Right. And like, yeah. So I also have that pressure. It's not, it's not only to bring them in, but also give them some sort of representation of that. And like, there's a balance, right? Like, like 
Because then if I feel too much pressure, I'm like, damn, well, you know, I got to wear my J's every day. You know what I mean? And like, you know, maybe I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, I got to wear the whole jumpsuit. You know what I mean? <laughs> wear a sweater vest. Like <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, but there's a lot of pressure. And, and it's and it's and I think it's something that we do because. You know, we want to help and we want to see a more diverse workforce, but not everybody feels that pressure and takes on that pressure. Because of my career, and I've, I've been years and years in this industry in different levels of management, and I've had a team, be, I've managed a team, and, and there's some individuals, for the most part, all of them that I work with, I keep them near and dear. Um, I call them my pollos. <laughs> um, it's the cutest thing. And I was like, um, I, I try to do the big sister thing, and I was like, okay, that's weird. We're not family. Like, let's let's slow down. This is work. <laughs> let's let's put something there. And then um, I just thought, I'm like a hen. Like, I'll protect them. Like, mm-hmm. come on in. This is my team. Don't you dare. Like, I will yell at my boils on my term, but ain't no one coming near them. Like, back <laughs> so um, one of them mentioned when this whole attention came about. Um, I, I was very transparent with her and I was like, yo, I don't know if I'm ready for this. Like, what am I supposed to do? Where's the manual of me? Like, Alma, now you've been called a role model. This is what you're do, supposed to do. Step one, on day one, this is what you'll do. And I was like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. And she was very supportive in the sense that she gave me her authentic self. And she was like, listen, all you gotta do is be you. And I'm like, what does that mean? She's like, you don't know your impact of being in a room. And I'm like, what? She's like, I've learned so much from you just by watching you. And all you did was navigate the world according to how you do it. I was like, she's like, you sit in a room and you speak your voice when you need to. I took note of that. You show up in a room and you wear whatever you want to wear. I took note of that. She's like, you don't actively have to do something for somebody in order to make an impact. And I was like, Yo, that was deep. <laughs> wow, was shout, like, out, shout out to the pollitos. Right? I was like, man. And then part of me was like, did I teach you that one? <laughs> <laughs> How did that make you feel at that moment? Because that's deep. It helped. It helped big time because it lessens that pressure. There's no action item, additional action item that needed to be done. You being you and being who you are makes a difference already. And I think we forget that. And I think as Latinos, as immigrants, as whatever we are, we have to be superpower. Like I have to wear a cape and I have to go in like Wonder Woman. I'm going to smash down that wall. I love your superhero pose, by the way. Thanks. It goes like this. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have time for that. And so... The fact that I'm just there and I flub my words and, you know, I, I mess up um, sayings like, I don't know, curiosity to kill the cat kind of things. And I'm like, I don't know what that means, but it sounds cool. And I'm going to say it like, <laughs> you know, certain things. And I'll be in a room and I'm like, that's how you say it, right? Like I'll hit the person next to me. And there was a, a gentleman, uh, he's, he's amazing, Todd that worked with me at, at one of the organizations I was with. And um, sure enough, every single time I'd sit next to him, Todd is from the South, tall, maybe like six, two, six, one. Um, 
well put together sweater vest, uh, boat <laughs> shoes, khaki pants, white man, perfect hair. I mean, I got and, that with Todd. <laughs> right? And then here I am. And I'm like, and I would always sit next to him because we just, we would get along. And I'm like, I, in a boardroom and we'd be talking about certain things and I'd flub, I would stop on a word because Spanish, I always default. I, I'm mm. great at Spanglish. Spanglish is my jam. Oh, like, same. So, and so I'd be like, um, what's that word? What's that word? Todd, Todd, what's that word? You know, it goes like this and it's like this and like this. And he's like, oh, and he'll give me the word. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that one, that one. And I'm like, yes, the word is this. And I'll continue talking. I'm, I'm very much real um, and uh, transparent on my, of who I am. What, what are my strengths? And what are my weaknesses? And if I flub, I'm going to flub and I'm going to flub in front of you guys. And that's just the way it's going to be. Um, so, it, you know, I think there's there's um, an openness and almost like um, you disarm people when you yourself show your true colors. And then, then they become more comfortable with you and you become, you humanize yourself. Yeah, that resonates with me so much. Um, and it made me think about this this quote that a previous guest said, her name is Catalina. Um, she said, when you start being your most authentic self, what you become is a mirror to other people. And they may not see the entire, their entire selves reflected back at them, but they may see a shard or some piece reflected back at them. And they're like, yo, that's how I talk. Like I talk in Spanish too. Like if she does it, then I can do it. Right. Do um, and it's so deep. Like the mere representation that you are creating just by being yourself like you had no idea that like it was impacting people like people are always watching you know what i mean and that that's the point that, that's what changes i really think is like when someone sees someone else doing it then they start doing it and it just creates a ripple effect of more people being themselves it's one of those things representation matters you know yeah. how they say it on tv and everything and i thought from for a while i was like that's lame yeah 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 <laughs> I like that. yeah that's so cheesy yeah okay, because i see you in a commercial look at me too <laughs> right like it was so silly to me i was like okay you guys go on with your like fancy jargon of diversity Let me over here and then that hit and then that comment came my way. And I was like, oh, that's what they mean. The bulb went off, like, dink, dink. I was like, oh, that's what they mean by representation. That's why you have to be seen. That's why this and that and that and that and that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's almost like you're, you're the walking billboard. You're the ad. Who would have known? Who would have known? Yeah. Anyway, uh, to wrap up, obviously, like we're a continuous work in progress, but I, I love the person that you have grown so comfortable in being. And I love the fact that you highlighted that just by being yourself, that people are watching, they're being inspired to be themselves as well. So that representation is really important. But, you know, as you continue, as you look forward, what's one thing that continues to empower and inspire you to continue being your most authentic self at work? knowing where I came from, um, the, the drive and the, the, you know, I think I, I mentioned to you a little bit, I come from family that, um, in, in actively still, I have uncles that are picking strawberries in Santa Maria, California. I have, um, uncles in Arkansas that are groundskeepers and gardeners. Um, you know, there's, 
there's that constant, I am here because of the backs of others. And I'm now putting their name and their image and their bloodline and their looks and, you know, their traits into a corporate landscape that they busted their behind for me to have access to. So I have to be who I am, Alma Angeles, from CARP, small town, um, in that room and represent all those people well. That's my driver. Um, my sisters, my nieces, everybody has to see it. And I'm carrying the weight of others on my shoulder. Um, whether that's justified or not, it is what it is and it drives me. And I think that's what keeps me authentic. So like, if if I'm in a boardroom and I get stuck, I'm like, ay, mensa alma. I'll say it out. And they're like, what? And they're like, oh, you're so cute. And I was like, I know, huh? Like, I lean into it. It's just, I have to, I have to make sure that the touch points that I have are going to expose somebody to the positive side of who a Latino is. Um, it's not a stereotype. It's not a cha-cha girl. It's not over-sexualized what you see on TV. Um, it's not the housemaid. Um, but don't get me wrong. I'm mean at cleaning my house, man. Don't mess with me. I am good. I am OCD about that. I'll throw down with the best. <laughs> but there's so many more things, you know what I mean? So yeah, it's who you carry. It's my boyos. Um, it's, it's everybody. Mi gente, that wraps up this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please do us a favor, leave a rating and a review. This just helps us in the algorithm to ensure that these stories get heard by as many people as possible. And it'll ultimately help us reach our mission of redefining professionalism. Thank you. And see you next week.